Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal. Here we are for the season three finale. All roads have led to this. I feel like I feel like we've gone down the yellow brick road and now here we are at Oz. <laughs> yeah, totally. Everything's in color. Would this be Oz or would this be us back at the farmhouse realizing there's no place like home? I don't know, <laughs> but we've definitely been on a journey. Absolutely, Sal. I cannot believe we're here. And yes, we're satisfied. We're overwhelmed. This is an incredible episode, incredible journey. But yet, you and I both know there's so much to come. Now that we've been through three seasons of Cobra Kai, you realize how infinite the universe can become. Oh my gosh. I mean, you can go forward in time. You can go backward in time. I mean, who knows? Hey, how about this? The 65th annual All Valley. How about that? (laughs) It could go anywhere and everywhere. And I'm sure we'll explore even more after we finish this episode. But this episode in particular is episode 10, season three, December 19th. Now that's for the astute fan, right? To know the reference of December 19th. It's a date that I bring up quite often, Sal, as you know, and our listeners know, because of my issue with December 19th being a Wednesday in the 1984 All-Valley Championships, under-18 championships. But here we are. Cobra Kai has revisited this. But Sal, it's December 19th, 2018, also a Wednesday. Wait a second. I got a look at the, I don't know if we're jumping ahead of ourselves, Jason, but I got a look at the poster, the 51st annual. I made a note of the date, and it was actually on a Saturday on the poster, on the 51st. Yeah, no, that's right. But this episode is this day that we're about to cover, which is December 19th. And it's also Wednesday because this is set in 2018. Oh, wait a second, wait a second. Wait a second. This night, this very night is December 19th. That is correct. Oh my gosh. Hello. Why am I so stupid? I didn't get it. Hello. And it's Christmas time. I swear sometimes. Look, if I ever told you I was a gifted student in the past, forget it. Well, no, it's easy to overlook. I was thinking, where are they getting that from? But I thought, no, that's this day. Allie's in town. It's Christmas. And they, the showrunners, have made a conscious effort to tie it in. But Much later in this episode, I'm going to break that down, but it's 2018, and December 19th is back in play. All right, I'm with you. We're on the same page now. So again, all episodes of the season came out January 1st, 2021, season three, episode 10, December 19th, and Sal, here we go with the IMDb rating. I swear you ask me this every show, and yet I always forget. Uh, but I'm going to take a guess, and I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to imagine that the fans were just as excited about this episode as I am, as you are. Yes. And I'm going to say this is in the nines. I'm going to give it a 9.1. Well, your train of thought is good, but you're a little short. What? 9.5. Whoa, a 9.5? Yeah, it's off the charts. Holy cow. Nice, because we went up to the low nines, then we went down to the eights. And now we're back in the nines. Very happy to hear that. Yes, me too. And the synopsis for this episode is old wounds begin to heal at a country club Christmas party, but a brutal assault by Kreese's students leads to new betrayals and alliances. So it's a longer episode than normal, 
but we have a lot to cover on our scene-by-scene forensic breakdown. Are you ready and prepared? I am prepared for our analysis. All right, so we open in North Vietnam, 1969, and we see Captain Turner, Cree, Silver, and company all captured. And Sal, this is like the deer hunter, reminiscent of the deer hunter, 1978's best picture, by the way. And uh, how they're all captured. And in that movie, if you recall, which is an incredible film, but they make two prisoners play Russian roulette against each other. Had you seen that film? Are you familiar? No, no. I, I've heard of The Deer Hunter. I know it's pretty famous. Christopher Walken, is it? Am I correct? Yeah, Christopher Walken, Robert De Niro, okay, Meryl Streep, and of course, directed by Michael Cimino. Rest in peace. But uh, yeah, it's an incredible film. Very riveting well worth anyone's time. But this is very reminiscent of that. However, as opposed to what the deer hunter does, Sal, what do they make them do here? Well, you know, it's one thing to capture your enemy. That's what you do in war, right? If you don't kill them, you capture them. It's another thing to torture them. Right. And that's pretty much what's happening here, right? So they're taking out guys two by two and having them fight over this uh, beam, kind of like a bridge, uh, over this pit. Now, we don't know anything about the pit other than there's a pit, but that's what they're having these guys do. And what did you think was in the pit at this time, before the reveal? Yeah, I kind of guessed that, only because of the show itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say it yet, though. Don't say it yet. No. So, Twig starts to freak out. It's my fault, Johnny. Jesus Christ, they're going to kill us all. And Cree says, shut up. It's not your fault we're in here. It's mine. So, he's willing to take the blame. And then Captain Turner over there in the corner as this is your fault, Crease, and there are no ranks here. This is every man for himself. So right now, we as the viewer know, holy cow, all bets are off, right? He's not your superior anymore. Yeah. Every man for himself. And you can kind of see the writing on the wall. It's two men drug out of this hut to go battle to the death, and one man, a little flashback to... Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leave. It's kind of that mentality. If you get drug out, only one of you are surviving, essentially. Oh, I hate that because then you friends fight friends, brother fights brother. Brutal, really brutal. And so now we're in the kitchen of the Encino Oaks Country Club. And Sal, I just got to say, I love the pasta references. Yeah, again, little nuggets for the Karate Kid fan, because we see a waiter serving up plates of spaghetti, and Jingle Bells is playing throughout this uh, beautiful ballroom. Daniel and Amanda walk in, and she says, well, I've been here five minutes and already see 10 people I hate. (laughs) Wonderful Amanda-ism. Right out of the gate. Gotta love Amanda. And how about this? How about this, Jason? A little something for the Anthony fans, where Daniel says, Let's hope Anthony doesn't get kicked out of another sleepover. So that's where Anthony is. That explains where he is at this moment in time. And hopefully uh, some sort of foreshadow for season four. Yeah, I'd love to see more Anthony. He only had the one appearance in his soccer get up. And I also wanted to mention the waiter that is taking this pasta through the ballroom. A little bit of a Daniel LaRusso look, if you will. Had the hair. Also kind of a Dimitri look. Oh, okay. I didn't really think about that. I noticed him, of course, because you and I both look at extras. But from that perspective, comparing him to Daniel, very interesting. Just a little. So, as Daniel goes to get Amanda and him a drink, 
And of course, they know him at the club, you know, the usual for Amanda and I, because they're there all the time. And then off camera, you hear Daniel with an L, Sal, come on, another Karate Kid nugget right there. Because if you recall the first time that she shared, Allie that is, her name with Daniel, she said, Allie with an I. Allie with an I. And that was Daniel's comeback, Daniel with an L. And that's... Her callback to Daniel after not seeing him for 30 years. Bravo, Allie. Very cute uh, to remember the first words exchanged from your young love. No, it wasn't the first words exchanged, just to be clear. Oh, those weren't the first words? They finally got each other's names on the soccer field. Oh, not on the beach. No. Oh, so they didn't even know each other's names at the beach? They didn't know each other's names at the beach. That was just, you know, having a good time, didn't have any formalities, but then... I went back and just double-checked that sequence, which was on the soccer field at West Valley High. And right before that, Sal, do you know that Freddie came over and called Daniel Karate Kid? I don't remember that. (laughs) I don't remember (laughs) that. (laughs) So, shout out to Freddie. I like that, that that that's the Karate Kid giving a tip of the hat to itself. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. We got to get that title in this movie somewhere. I'm sure, I'm sure Weintraub was all about that. I think I read some sort of article in years past about the idea or the concept of putting the film's title in the film somewhere. Yeah. And like these film buffs and experts were talking about the pros and cons and the, like, it's like one camp says, yeah, put it in. The other camp's like, no, don't put it in. So yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. That was a skit on Family Guy. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> he was like, Star Wars. <laughs> they, they just ran through like a rapid fire of a bunch of movies that had it in there gratuitously, you know? So that's, that's pretty funny. I love that concept of here you are 35 years later, and you still remember some of the original words spoken back and forth, yeah. you and your young love. I really like that a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm a romantic at heart. Yeah, that was clever. That just means what Daniel meant to Allie. And I, I loved it and it got the conversation going. And uh, I mean, it's no surprise that Allie's there. We knew that. We also knew that she had seen Daniel because episode nine, they had embraced and Johnny could see that. So it was a matter of time, but what a way to jumpstart it. And then, which is also hilarious to me, Sal, that Johnny has a near pasta accident. Oh, yeah. I mean, seeing that guy have the plate of spaghetti almost running into Johnny in his white coat. Believe me, I don't even like wearing a white t-shirt and eating a bowl of spaghetti with marinara sauce. Forget it. It's over. Imagine a white coat and a bungly waiter with a plate of spaghetti. Forget it. Well, if there was really justice in the world, he would have gotten hit Daniel style. And Daniel could have got the last laugh on that. But instead, Daniel makes a great Scarface reference. Well, this is where Allie learns, because she didn't know, right? She didn't know that, that there was any communication between these two all these decades. And now she learns some of the recent history of Daniel and Johnny. Now we're at the LaRusso's house, and Sam tries to bridge the dojos, with Dimitri's help, of course. Yeah, and I like how uh, Mitch and Chris are arguing. <laughs> yeah. And Chris calls Mitch penis breath. And then, and then Chris asks, why are you okay with anyone calling you penis breath? Yeah, only these guys can call me that. Why are you okay with that? No, it's pretty funny. And then Dimitri kind of really gets involved. No, I like that because Mitch and Bert get up to leave. Dimitri stands up, gives, gives sort of a motivational type speech uh, saying, Cobra Kai is the worst collection of assholes in the valley run by the king of all assholes. And his, his speech about this is so inspiring, Mitch and Bert sit right back down. 
So we are back at the country club, and Allie is talking with Daniel and Johnny as Amanda joins. Yeah, and I like Amanda's line, her Amanda-ism. So, have the man boys filled you in on the whole mortal enemy karate dojo battling for the soul of the valley thing? (laughs) I love that one. That was a great line. But I even like earlier when she met Allie and under her breath, she's like, I cannot wait to talk to you. She didn't even move her lips. She just, she is so great. I should also say, Sal, that Allie does share the fact that she's just Mills now, again. Yes. And then very cool are these little, these little quick glances Mm -hmm. that Johnny and Daniel may give to one another. Eyebrow. Yeah, just these, they, they're so slight, they're so tiny, but they mean so much. Yeah, they're like twins, these two. Yeah, they, could, they communicate almost telepathically. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're back at LaRusso's, because this episode kind of bounces back and forth, if you can't tell, a lot of ping-ponging back between these two places. So now we're back at the LaRusso's, and Dimitri shares the ground rules for this new dojo. Yeah, I like another one of these moments where Dimitri's taking charge, standing at the head of the table, almost like he's running a board meeting, is what he's doing. And we also have some of these uh, new unnamed guys. <laughs> and by the way, I got to say, a little grievance with Cobra Kai. I, I want to know who these guys are. Give me 30 seconds of these people. Let me know who they are. Otherwise, just sort of these random, uh, they're more than an extra, less than a cast, and they're running around with our main crew. Please let us know who these people are. That's what I say. True. I like that. So I like that they're all in agreement that they're going to train at Miyagi-Do. Makes the most sense, Sal, because Eagle Claw is only at the park, right? <laughs> yes. It has no location. <laughs> no actually. location. But they are deadlocked on new name, gi design, post-training snacks, and the Sensei Dispute Resolution Protocol. <laughs> <laughs> They've got some work to do, Sal. No, but you know what? I like that they're talking about this because, you know, when the rubber meets the road, these things have to be discussed, especially like when you're dealing in a situation of co-senseis. Yeah. Right? Like, is one going to be higher than the other? Is, is, is one name going to supersede the other? Yeah, these are all things that should be discussed. And very interestingly, that the student body is discussing this while the given senseis are uh, having a great time at a party. True. And the senseis have no idea that the dojos are commingling and looking to morph into one. Yeah, a very interesting moment. I guess Eagle Fang is going to be short-lived, I would imagine? Could be. Well, Miyagi-Do is not going to give up its name. No, let's hope not. So then, Sal, in the midst of this great debate, or board meeting, as you put it, what happens? This is something I would do completely. In the, in the middle of this important meeting, uh, Bert hears what he thinks is a cat. Meow. Yeah, exactly. So he goes, oh, I'm going to go check on this cat. Miguel says to Sam, I didn't know you had a cat. And Sam says, we don't. And there's this pause, and all of a sudden, Bert comes flying back in, thrown through the kitchen window. Ouch. I mean, that's... I could have killed him. That's that's a little harsh, don't you think? (laughs) And then Miguel yells, Bert, what happened? And Bert responds, no cat. (laughs) Fantastic line. And then, of course, this leads to Cobra Kai has arrived in the back door and also in the front door. Sal, this is a home invasion. Exactly. And you know what? Not only a home invasion, but downright insulting because Kyler has been welcomed into this home. Kyler has dined in this home. He has. He has. He wanted some fish sticks. <laughs> he didn't like the, the expensive sushi that uh, Daniel had. I wanted some of that. And then he goes on to call Miguel Ria. 
hearkening back to season one, episode one, after they poured Pepto-Bismol on Miguel's head. And then we have a flashback to Kyler's history of bullying and also the viral cafeteria fight. We see a shot of that. And then suddenly Tori barges in, flanked by two members of Cobra Kai. And she says, I heard you were throwing a party. Hope you don't mind if we crash. And you know what? Tori is looking downright menacing tonight. She looks like a vampire. Yeah. Well, she's kind of, the way when she, when she she almost floats and her hair is blowing. Yeah. You know, you're right. I think she would make a great vampire. And by the way, I mean that in a flattering way because yeah. vampires are, uh, are pretty sexy. And you love Buffy, so. I do love Buffy. And I do have fantasies of living about a thousand years so that I can learn all kinds of cool stuff. I like that. So now we're back at the country club and the Valley Stardusters are performing, which is a treat, to say the least. <laughs> oh, the, the Valley Stardusters. God, I love them. <laughs> Gotta love them. Now we see our foursome at a table, and Sal, they are talking about the Karate Kid. I could not believe that we are literally seeing, I would call almost a band-aid over the beginning of Karate Kid 2. Remember when Daniel walks in, he says Allie dumped him for the football player. He says Allie crashed his car. And now we're hearing Allie's side of the story. And I've talked about this before. I say that off the show and on the show, hearing two sides of a story, absolutely fantastic. I love it. We're hearing Allie's side of the story. Oh, this is amazing. Yes, absolutely. She mentions that, I guess it was the UCLA football player was her friend, and that the brakes were bad on, she calls it Mr. Miyagi's car, but Sal, you and I both know that was actually Daniel's car that Mr. Miyagi gifted him for his birthday, but we'll leave that alone. There's also talking about the Halloween costume and just all the funny moments that just, to hear it this way 30 years later from the characters that lived it, it's just amazing. It's such a treat. It's like, oh my gosh. They're reflecting on these moments in such a meta way that, yeah, it was almost too much for me to take in. I had to watch it a couple of times. But Johnny's also loving the story that Ali's sharing, how the breakup happened. Oh, yeah. Because what you have is you have every person here gets to hear another angle that they hadn't heard before. And now you have a fourth person, Amanda, who gets to hear more history. Oh, yeah. She didn't know a lot of this stuff until Ali shows up. So everybody's hearing all these wonderful things, well, or not so wonderful things, that they didn't know about before. Wonderful stuff. I could use more of this, Sal. Anytime we want to reminisce about the earlier movies, hey, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a behind the scenes. Totally. Or even like last episode, I want to hear about things we never saw. How Johnny and Ali went on the Ferris wheel on their first date. And yeah, I'm all for that as well. So I'd love to see... Daniel courting Amanda in scenes and flashback sequences. So there's so much there, as we talked about on the front of the episode, that we could sprout off in a thousand different directions at this point in time. Yeah. Well, they go so much into crease in this episode also. How about crease between Vietnam and 1984? Was there some sort of redeemable crease during that era, I wonder? I want to see him open Cobra Kai. He opened original Cobra Kai, maybe the early 80s. Probably leasing from Armand's dad. I bet you it was in the 70s. Oh, before. Okay. So I'm trying to, I'm saying maybe he had the dojo about four years before the 84, but you're right. Probably was the mid 70s if he got out of the military in the late 60s. Yeah. A lot of fun stuff. A lot of spinoffs could happen. A Mr. Miyagi show. Maybe there's a Kree show. Who knows? But right now, 
We're back at the LaRussos, and Kyler and Miguel are in a mega fight. I mean, this is an impressive sequence, Sal. Jason, you would know more than I, but is this one of those long takes, probably on a steady cam, a long sequence, single shot, right? No, you're absolutely right, Sal, and great job spotting that. It is one incredibly long and well-orchestrated tracking shot, which really reminds me of the classic Martin Scorsese film, Goodfellas, when they go in the restaurant to the back door. That's one of the first times I noticed it in filmmaking, and that's obviously a legendary scene. It took him days to light it, if not weeks. But this sequence is all of that while there's so many various fights going on. I mean, it's a bit overwhelming because you have a fight in the foreground, things going on in the background, they have to match, and it is just a spectacle, Sal. I'm so impressed with the production, the stunt coordination, the acting, everything about this. I absolutely loved this sequence as well. If I could mention a few uh, notable moments, I would say, uh, Chris hits a guy with a frying pan. That was uh, <laughs> very cool. Dimitri picks up Bert and swings his legs to kick another guy. Yeah. So he actually uses Bert as a weapon. That was fantastic. A guy throws Bert and Nathaniel into a Christmas tree. Yep. Hawk, now this is really extreme. I mean, Hawk is next level. Hawk breaks a glass over a guy's head. Tori kicks a guy's ass and then kicks the shit out of Chris in the kitchen. <laughs> and now Tori and Sam face off and Sam runs into the dojo, followed closely by Tori. True. And before you get there, I wanted to add a couple things to the sequence as well. I love that we have the classic... Throw someone who hits a wall and turns the lights off. Oh, oh Which goes yes, back yes. to the Karate Kid 3 in which Mike Barnes yes, did that at the yes, Cobra Kai yes. Dojo. And also the fact that there's a moment where Sam's stunt double faces Tori. And yeah. I could see it because it was a very in-depth sequence where Sam had to do a takedown, but the takedown was like a front roll. I mean, it was really yes, elaborate. Yes. And so that's when they probably yes. swapped. I mean, the way they did it, though, this is one shot. So if Sam had to be in the shot and then exit at the right moment, the stunt double comes in, does the move and stays there, but they panned just enough to see a side profile and you could see that it was not Sam. But they did a good job. The camera moves and then reinsert Sam so she's properly facing Tori. But I mean, those things are hard, Sal. I mean, listen to me. I'm not picking on it. I'm just saying I happen to see it and I'm sure you probably did as well. Well, since we're going there, there was a little moment where you see Tori's eyeline. So she's looking at Sam. Right. And then all of a sudden her eyeline changes. So you can tell she was looking at the stunt double. Yeah. And then her eyeline changed to then now look at Sam's, uh, the, the actress. So yeah, you, you can see that. I caught it. You caught it. Would your average viewer at home who's not looking for these things and being nitpicky, would they see that? Probably not. No. And it's amazing. What they did was incredible. Had I not watched this a couple of times, the second time for notes, I, I would have missed it. So it doesn't even matter. It's just something I saw. And it's all one shot until, like you mentioned, they go to the dojo. Sam retreats into the dojo, followed by Tori the vampire. And <laughs> <laughs> what happens if she comes in? You know, I always think it's very meaningful in fighting because you have different levels of fighting, right? The basic level is just two people using their bare hands and, and, and bare feet, so to speak, right? right? Next level is when you grab a weapon. When you grab a weapon to fight, you are saying, I am willing to kill you. That's what you're saying. So Tori grabs a pair of nunchucks and then whips him around like she knows what she's doing. Yeah. After she kicks him, of course. 
uh-uh. You know what? Oh, and how about this? It, it took me till this scene right here to notice that Tori is wearing a skeleton sweatshirt. Oh, yes, I didn't she notice is. that earlier. Oh, yeah. Hello, talk about a shout out to the Halloween dance and the Karate Kid. Absolutely. I want to mention one thing, and again, not picking on Cobra Kai because this is an incredible series. And of course, I'm into martial arts. But when you see them fight this way, Sal, to see like, great kicks and great roundhouse and maybe a great punch and maybe a takedown, but then people come back, right? They just, they, they bounce back unless they really have a knockout blow, if you will. No, because no one's dying in the sequence. No. And so, okay. I mean, Bert could have died. They could have thrown him back to the window. Uh, the pane of glass cuts his, uh, an artery or something. So yeah, oh, he no, could yeah. have been killed. But I think of Hapkido, in which I practice and train in, and Hapkido really teaches you how to end a fight, if you will. Someone comes at me and you have so many different moves for different situations where you take control, you have them in a wrist lock, arm lock, in some way where you have them, you know, that's it. You have them in a very vulnerable position and they can choose to tap out or you can break something that's going to end that fight, right? Thank God they all don't know Hapkido or some sort of form like that. <laughs> Nor would you get these types of sequences, but you would end fights very quickly. That has to do with uh, what they call point fighting versus like, uh, I've heard like about Krav Maga, like you would say, a fight fan may say, how come I never see Krav Maga in, in a tournament, like an MMA tournament? Because Krav Maga is meant to just disable right. That's exactly person, right. That's right? exactly right. Like you, you use it on the battlefield. It's not for the ring. Right. Right? Yeah. So similar to Hapkido in, in that regard. True. But this is a battlefield. But they don't know that form. And I'm not saying Hapkido is the only one. It's just the one that I've been exposed to and trained in. I'm sure there are others. Almost like the Miyagi moves, if you will. Yes, Miyagi knows them, but none of these students have learned them where you sure. just end it. But I just watched the sequence. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of energy. It's like playing a video game. They just keep getting back up and recycle around and recycle around. <laughs> well, if you've ever uh, been part of an actual fight, you know that usually people aren't going to last this long. True. Yeah. Something's going to stop the whole thing. I mean, later on, we see Hawk completely unscathed. It doesn't look like anything happened to Hawk at all. So I don't know if anybody got a, a good lick in on Hawk at all. Maybe they just don't hit that hard, Sal. Or maybe they were kept hitting his mohawk by mistake, you know, <laughs> punching his mohawk, yeah, that's thinking it. that was going to hurt him, but that didn't do anything. So now we're back at the country club and all four are exiting. And I love that Amanda and Allie hit it off. Like Amanda calls Allie her hero and Allie says Amanda's awesome and they hug. And, and then Amanda, you know, respectfully, she knows that Daniel should wrap this thing up kind of maybe on his own. She's really good that way. Hugs Johnny. Heads off. So now we have the three of them. And this is a great exchange, Sal. Yeah. And you know what? I thought of you because you have said Allie's lines in years past related to Cobra Kai. Because what happens is they start arguing. Johnny and Daniel start arguing. Allie says, that's the problem. You say one thing, then you say the opposite. You both think there's only one side to the story. And Johnny says, I know there's two. And here's the golden nugget for all of us to take away. No, there's three. There's your side and your side, meaning Johnny's side and Daniel's side. And then there is the truth. Right. And the truth is, you guys are more alike than you want to admit. And this is Jason Connell right here. <laughs> you said this. You said this. And maybe you recognize parts of yourself in each other, and maybe you don't always like what you see. Wow. 
Talk about Ali just coming back and just kind of creating this, this harmony and healing. Well, she fell for both of them. Yeah. And you know what? One thing I kept doing is I kept focusing on Johnny's POV in this dynamic, on Daniel's POV in this dynamic. For a moment, I really paused and I thought about Allie's POV, where she's coming from. She loved both these guys at one moment in time. She's grown. She's a mother. She's getting a divorce now. She became a doctor. She's going through her own journey and her own evolution. And this night is a part of her journey as much as Daniel's and Johnny's. No, you're absolutely right, Sal. And just as you said that, something popped in my head. And just bear with me here. But would you say, and we never compare these people because there's so many other characters in between them. And they've never really had any time spent together on the show thus far, thus far. But would you say Miguel and Robbie might be a lot more alike than unalike? That's a good question, but I'm probably going to say no, because I think later on I had some thoughts about Robbie. In other words, towards the end of this episode, I have sort of come to a conclusion about Robbie, and it's kind of not so good. Okay. When Robbie was at peace and was under the LaRusso household, if you will, we saw a very sweet side to Robbie like a nurtured side, which reminds me of Miguel in a lot of ways. Those two guys could be pals, and I could see how Sam fell for both of those guys. Kyler was an odd bird. I love Kyler as a character, but deep down, I don't know if there's goodness in his heart like there is in Miguel and Robbie. If you have your own opinion about Robbie, that's fine. But I look for the good in him, having seen it once. This season, no, he's disgruntled and he's, he's guarded. Robbie's very guarded this season, so we've seen a very different side to him. If you're going to compare Miguel and Robbie to Daniel and Johnny, would you compare Allie to Sam then? Well... Or Sam to Allie? To some degree. I mean, there are lots of parallels on this there show. There are, absolutely. And yeah, there's probably some similarities there. Very strong-willed person who is not afraid to speak their mind. They're very strong-minded women. I could see Sam being just as successful, if not more, than Allie. So, yeah, there's some similarities. And I'm not trying to connect the dots completely, but there's just something, as you were saying, that I thought, wow, yeah, this show is kind of, you know, it's reimagining the past in a new way. But it just made me think of Miguel and Robbie for some reason. Because we've just never seen those two guys have been on such opposite ends, always. Okay, all right then. If you're going to go there, then in that case, would you call the uh, West Valley High School brawl with Miguel and Robbie as similar to the All Valley then with Daniel and John? Well, they also fought in the All Valley, Robbie and Miguel. Oh, that's a whole other thing. This is a whole can of worms, Jason. They made it a lot more complex (laughs) in the movie. The movie was new kid, fish out of water, bullied, learns karate from karate master, wins tournament. This is a whole other thing. So back to this scene, which is phenomenal, because it leads to Daniel apologizing to Ali Sal, which is just wonderfully touching. Oh, yeah. These moments of of sincere apologies, of sincere sorry. There's been a few times in my life where I've apologized to a couple of ex-girlfriends from high school. And, you know, because you have that weight in your shoulders for being an asshole, you know. And... I went back, I apologized, and just, you know, they let me off the hook. They said, it's okay, and they said something similar. We were very young, you know. Oh, talk about a relief and a release 
after all these years. Yeah. Yeah, because Allie does say, we were so young and the good far outweighed the bad. Oh, so sweet. It's yep, great. Very nice. There's something in my eye, Jason. Something in my eye. <laughs> and Daniel was very sincere and much like Johnny was, was great to see. And I love how Daniel just knows the moment is over and he's going to exit. And as he does, Allie looks at him as he walks away. That was a beautiful moment, just a look. Just like, there goes that guy that used to mean so much to me in my life, and we're both in a good place now. And, you know, it was probably just, who knows if they'll ever cross paths again, Sal, but I, I just love seeing that. No, but you know what? I paused on her look, and I'm going to compare that to the way she looks at Johnny when Johnny walks away, because it led me to my personal conclusion. Okay. And then I also like the fact that Daniel and Johnny wish each other Merry Christmas. Very sweet. And then Johnny says, Merry Christmas, LaRusso. And then he pauses and goes, Merry Christmas, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. Very, very nice. And as Daniel goes to Amanda, who's standing by, what does she say? So Daniel's walking out, ready to leave. Amanda's waiting by the door. And she says, kind of smart alecky, so that's two hugs for Al. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because Daniel did the hug and then hung around and apologized and then hugged yes. again. Even when I watched yes. that, Sal, for the first time, I thought, that's two hugs on her. Yeah, he's kind of lingering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would say that if I were to be in that situation, I might have to go back for a third hug, Ooh. just to make sure. Three hugs, Sal? Yeah, you know, a little more apology and then I get a third hug, yes. So now we're back at the LaRusso's and Sam... She's retreating, Sal, very much like at the laser tag place when she just is kind of cowering in a corner. While this is happening, Tori shatters the Mr. Miyagi picture frame. Oh, yeah. Very painful to see because uh, we see the picture of Miyagi come crashing to the ground. Absolutely horrible. And then all of a sudden, though, Sam goes through this uh, sort of reflection and she has a memory of Daniel saying, you're the only one who can get up when you're down no one else. Yeah. And she's suddenly reinvigorated, jumps to her feet, grabs a staff, and then now we cut back into the kitchen. Kyler and Miguel are still fighting here. Although I'd say Kyler is punishing Miguel at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, look what Miguel has been through. He came out of a coma. He was paralyzed for a while. I mean, He couldn't kick nobody, a frisbee a couple episodes ago. Nobody would expect him to beat anyone right now. And I was going to say to that point, Sal... It's probably a good thing that Robbie was not part of this home invasion because that would have given the edge absolutely to Cobra Guy. That would have been difficult to watch. But this brings up another, another can of worms here, another Pandora's box, because I want to get into a little bit about Crease delivering orders. Like, which of these fiascos were actual orders from Crease versus his own student body going a little bit rogue based on the mentality that they got from Crease. I don't know if this is Tori reacting from what she heard about how Sam and Miguel saved All Valley and they worked together as a team. And then she went rogue and recruited everybody but Robbie, which seems a bit suspicious to me. It could have also been Crease's orders to say, stir the pot there. And well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves on the other point, but... Whatever it is, not good. But like I said, I'm glad Robbie's not part of this because it would have tipped the scales too much. No, no, I totally agree. I'm, I'm glad Robbie wasn't there. In a subsequent scene, we're going to see uh, how Robbie was part of Crease's alibi for the evening. So 
We already saw Sam hear Daniel's voice. We cut to Hawk, and he's hearing Johnny's voice talk about how he was nothing before Cobra Kai. He built him. And then Kreese's voice comes into Hawk. So he's getting it from two sides, Sal. Yeah. So now he has to reconcile all of his feelings and emotions at a very pivotal moment because he looks over and he sees Dimitri, his former best friend, being double teamed by these guys, about to have his arm broken. Maybe the same arm. I forgot which arm was broken before. Could be the same arm about to be rebroken. But Hawk has this change of heart, almost a metamorphosis. And then, oh, he goes charging in, delivering a fantastic kick, knocking one guy out of the way. And what? Causing one guy to do sort of a flip into the coffee table and land on his back. This is a great shot. It's a slow-mo run. And you're already thinking, he's going to save Dimitri. Like you just knew it in the way he looked. And also, this isn't the first time we've seen Hawk think about things, right? We've seen him process this a few times. But as he ran towards... Because again, the LaRusso house is really cool. It's laid out nice. There's like a courtyard in the middle of it. And he's running full speed, jumps, kicks, and tackles the other guy. And Dimitri is in shock, Sal. Yeah. And this is where Hawk apologizes to Dimitri for all of it, he says. Wow. And so now Hawk and Dimitri team up. Yeah. And they deliver this awesome double dragon style kick to a guy where they both kick the guy at the exact same moment. And that was a Daniel and Johnny throwback from an earlier episode this season. Oh. They did a different move. One hit high, one hit low. But I love this tandem fighting. I do. I I like it a lot. You go high, I'll go low. But they both went high. (laughs) Okay. You go. We both go high. Then Kyler, though, continues to pummel Miguel. And I'm just thinking, how the hell is Miguel going to get out of this one? This episode could also be called Voices because (laughs) Miguel hears Johnny and he just summons this kind of champion spirit that he has, Sal. And this leads to an incredible sweet move. He kind of tackles him from behind and does like a somersault and then slams him down, and then KOs him. I just have it memorized as winding toss judo throw, whatever the hell that means. Just kind of corkscrew around the guy and get him down quick. In years of watching MMA, never seen anything like this ever. It was an incredible move. I mean, this is one of those rare instances in this entire fight that there's a KO, because we don't see Kyler again. So now we cut back to Sam, and she's got the edge on Tori, and Sal, what happens? This is one of those pivotal moments where we see one of our heroes learning that it's not the person that you're afraid of. You know, it wasn't Daniel was afraid of Mike Barnes. He was giving into his own fear. So this is where Sam comes to terms with her own fear and realizes that it's not Tori so much that she's afraid of. And she says, looks her right in the eye, I am not afraid of you, as she has the staff right to her chest. Yeah, because she was able to flip her nunchucks out of her hands. So Tori's defenseless against the staff. And then comes Miguel Hockey Dimitri, who really kind of break it up. Well, Tori sees Miguel Hawk and Dimitri run in and, and it was like, what? <laughs> it was yeah. like, what are you doing standing next to each other? So she's kind of flabbergasted for a second. And they say the fight's over. 
And this is where you notice that Hawk has zero damage. Also, luckily, Hawk and Miguel never faced off during the evening at all. That could have easily happened. Right. So that, that would have been painful to watch. You know what? I'm glad that didn't happen because I like seeing the redemption of Hawk at the end. Well, Tori says, it's not over. This will never be over, LaRusso. You hear me? And then check out Sam says, you know where to find me. Sal, I'm shocked they let her walk out of there unscathed. I don't know what Miguel, Dimitri, or Hawk would have done to her, nor is Sam a vengeful type. So I, I think it would just, it made sense for her to be able to walk out there freely. I, but what I was thinking about at this very moment, while Tori's getting uh, let out, what the hell is going on in the LaRusso house? Are people just laying around there all bloodied, you know, laying on broken tables, all knocked out, unconscious? What's Kyler doing right now? What the hell's going on in the LaRusso house where they're having this powwow in the LaRusso dojo? Well, as Tori walks out, I guess as the leader leaves, they will all follow, I guess. But And I don't mean they should have hurt her, but I'm surprised they just didn't say, listen, we're calling the cops. You come around us again. Like They almost just left the door open for another round. Unlike the sequence, what we'll see later in this episode with the adults. Like, I would have had some ground rules for Tori there. You know, oh, okay. you've got in a restraining words, you, order now. I if I see, ever yeah. see you here again, you know, this breaks every rule and law <laughs> that I can think of. But they let her go. She does make it a point to say to Miguel and Hawk, traitors, right. calls them traitors yep. to their face, and then says directly to Hawk, you better watch your back. And I like here Dimitri stepping up. He won't have to. He's got friends watching it for him. Yeah. So they were kind of, that was their version of laying down the law. In other words, don't mess with us anymore. True. And Sam is no longer afraid. She can fight the fight and she can beat her. Listen, she beat her at the school brawl and she just bested her here. So she's actually two for two against her. Now in her dreams, she lost and nearly died. <laughs> she was nearly murdered in the pond. Yeah. I guess I'll call that a nightmare. Well, okay, this is also two for two Miguel versus Kyler then as well. Correct. So now we're back at the country club and Johnny and Allie are leaving. So I love that Allie encourages him and Daniel, mind you, not to mess up their relationships with Amanda or Carmen. And are you hearing the music that they're playing oh, during this scene? My gosh, are you kidding oh, me? Journey, open arms. Oh, so romantic. Now, one thing I definitely want to say, you know, I've talked about chemistry before. Yes. And I will say, Allie and Johnny have fantastic chemistry. They have great chemistry. And it's so wonderful to have a glimpse of the relationship they used to have pre-Karate Kid. Because otherwise, he just came off like Kyler and the Karate Kid, to be totally honest with you. I wanted them to share one kiss. That's all. It didn't need to be the kiss of the century, but just a sweet, tender, I'll always care for you type kiss. She's getting divorced. He's officially single. We know he's going to head back to Carmen. Any fan, any viewer would have been okay with one closing sweet tender kiss. Well, I love this exchange they have. He says, we had our own little time machine. And Allie says, sometimes it's good to visit the past, to know where you are now, but you can't live in the past. Of which you and I and everyone else knows, Johnny's done that for quite some time. And he goes on to say, no, we have to live for today. And Allie says, and the future, whatever that might bring. There's something in my eye again. Why? Stop it, Cobra Kai. And all this while we hear Journey's open arms continue to get a little bit louder. And they hug goodbye 
very touching again, and Allie watches Johnny leave. Her two men in her life, pre-Schwerber, walk away, and he guess he goes to the Dodge Caravan. And you were going to say something about this sequence. Okay. You look at the way she looked at Daniel walking away. You look at the way she looked at Johnny walking away. I'd have to say, okay, so forget chemistry for a second, because chemistry is a different thing. I believe, when all is said and done, that Allie loved Daniel more than Johnny. The look that she gives Johnny at the end was as you would give a supportive friend who you've just uplifted and sent them on their way in friendship. That's what I saw when she looked at Johnny. But when she looked at Daniel, a little bit of longing, a little bit of what if in her eyes. Yeah. To sum it up, Allie loved Daniel more than Johnny, but Allie had greater chemistry with Johnny. And you know what? That could be the problem with a lot of relationships today. That's well said, Sal. I think her and Daniel could have made a run at it. But you're right. They weren't together that long. She dated Johnny much longer, and they probably didn't have the love that she had with Daniel. So these were two guys that she wasn't supposed to stay with, but she shared relationships with them both and has friendships with them both today. Yes. And you know what? Oh, my God. My takeaway, personally, tremendous scene. This scene was so huge. It bridged gaps. It reconciled. It healed. It created harmony and understanding. There's never been such a moment like this in all three seasons. Yeah, you're right. So as we leave this scene, why don't you give us one of your great karaoke's of open arms? I don't do Steve Perry well at all. Uh, So now I come to you with open arms holding you. Okay, that's it. I don't know the lyrics, but God knows. Believe me, I don't mess with Journey songs. That's (laughs) that's next level karaoke. So this song continues. And of course, there's like a helicopter shot, aerial shot of Los Angeles. And Johnny's at his apartment. And he's rehearsing what he's going to say to Carmen, you know, and which is just so great to see, Sal. But as he knocks on apartment number one, what happens? Yeah, I love that he had his little speech ready to go. I'm ready. I love that. I'm ready, Carmen. Yeah, I like that I'm ready. Because you know what? You got to be ready for love. Because sometimes love can come at inconvenient times. <laughs> and you might not recognize it. And you might push it away. But no. He said, I'm ready. So he's headed to door number one, knocks on the door. Carmen opens up, opens the door a little wider to reveal a beaten up Miguel leaning against the couch. And Johnny becomes very angry, very angry. What happened? Yeah. So now we cut back to Vietnam and Silver is chosen to battle Captain Turner on the bridge, the bridge of death. But what happens? Let's not forget that Silver was called Twig for his twiggy, branch-like arms. If you imagine Twig versus Turner, this will not end well. So luckily for everybody, well, not for Turner, but Kreese puts his hands up, stands up, and volunteers in place of Twig. Yeah, he does. That's pretty brave, I've got to say. Hell yes. Chris <laughs> Hell is yes. very brave to step up for his friend facing someone who's far more versed in fighting than he is. But Turner did himself a disservice as they exit the cage, if you will, and share something with Chris. Well, as a 
as a tactic, Turner reveals to Crease that Betsy has been killed in an auto accident in Pasadena on the way to visit her grandmother. And then he chuckles about it, totally in effort to demoralize Crease. And Crease does fall down, right, in emotional yeah. exhaustion right. when he hears this. However, in those moments, that can also tip the scales in someone else's favor, but we'll get to that. But we also do see the pit at this point in time. Yes, yes, because Turner sees it first because he walks up the steps yeah, first and laughs. ahead of Crease. Yeah, he sees, he looks down. Yeah, he laughs about it, okay, because he thinks, I got this. I'm going to win this. In fact, he probably thinks that if he has to fight every one of his own men, he's going to beat all of them and he'll come out the victor. I mean, I don't know, what does he think they're going to like, his captors are going to be his buddy at the end of this? They're going to kill him too. I don't know what he's thinking. So anyway, he thinks he's going to win. He chuckles about the what's in the pit. Which is? Oh, oh my God. A huge, deep pit full of snakes. Yeah. I mean, there's like thousands of snakes thousands in this of snakes. pit. Now, this time, there is more than one snake, Jason. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, this will put LaRusso Auto out of business forever. There is multiple snakes in front of us. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark when he falls down and there's all those snakes and there is a cobra in front of Indiana, if you recall. But now we're at the Cobra Kai Dojo and Johnny enters and Sal, he kicks in a door and he is pissed. He must have drove 80 miles an hour to get over there. And Sal, when he enters the back room, what do we see? Oh, yes. I love this so much. Can I back up a second here, Jason? He kicks that door open. When I took Muay Thai, I was taught it was called the teep kick. Some people call it a push kick. I love that kick so much. That kick says, back the hell away from me. Yeah. I love that kick. So he delivers that kick, knocks through that door. We call that a front kick. Okay, I love that kick so much. Because, you know, someone's coming towards you, it's a good way to say, back off. He sees Crease with a student who's kicking a bag. Crease says, what took you so long? The student turns. Hello, it's Robbie. Robbie and Crease. Now, this is what I said earlier, though. Now we have sensei and student there in an evening lesson, total alibi, right? Crease was no part of the Encino home invasion. He's there at Cobra Kai Dojo teaching a student. So, But this is where I also thought maybe Kreese did not orchestrate the Encino home invasion. So when later on everybody converges on the Cobra Kai Dojo, does Kreese deserve this much? I don't know. We've never really seen Kreese deliver such orders. We only assume that he did. But I kind of have, especially after all the Vietnam sequences, 1% of sympathy for Kreese, 1%. I want to give him somehow the benefit of the doubt. I know we've been through this before, our, my mistrust or trust of Crease. But anyway, if he didn't deliver the orders, is this a bit extreme? If he did deliver the orders, then fine. Takes what he can get. It's shocking to see Robbie in a Cobra Kai gi. Oh, yes. This whole sequence, it kind of harkens back to Star Wars in my mind. It's like that scene from Empire Strikes Back when... The Emperor was trying to get Darth Vader to bring Luke Skywalker into the dark side. There's a lot of that going on here. Kreese is the Emperor, although Johnny would have been Darth Vader. He's already converted. But there's his son, you know, being groomed by the one who led him down that dark path. So there's a lot of symbolism there going on. And the color scheme as well. 
And Johnny, though, is beyond outraged because not because of Robbie being there. He's outraged because of what happened to Miguel, which even complicates it even more. Yeah. So Johnny's not really there for himself. Johnny is upset for someone else. Yeah. Right. No one went to Johnny's house and did a home invasion, right? No. So Johnny is upset for a friend or a student in this sense. So Chris says, this is really your last chance, Johnny. Are you in or are you out? So this is Johnny's last chance to go back into the fold of Cobra Kai or into the arms of Chris, so to speak. Johnny pauses. We think maybe he's pondering this, but instead he leads with a right kick that is blocked by Kreese, and this is an amazing fight sequence between Johnny and Kreese, oh. and the stakes are higher than even last time. Oh, yeah. And it's also intercut with Kreese fighting Turner, which really takes this to the next level. We're going back and forth, and Johnny, as this fight goes on, it goes from the back room to the hallway. Johnny gets knocked in the restroom. They're back in the hallway. They're in the front part of the dojo. And Johnny gets thrown up against the wall. And there's all those weapons now at Cobra Kai. And of course, weapons go flying and he grabs a sigh, which we've seen in previous Cobra Kai episodes. And then Robbie comes to the room and what does he say? Yes, might I add, Jason, for you Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans, a sigh is what Raphael uses as opposed to the other turtle weapons. Anyhow, turtle power. Robbie yells out, don't do it. So he's discouraging murder, <laughs> right? That's what he's <laughs> Our severe he's injuries, right ahead of it's not necessarily okay. murder. Well, I mean, again, like I said earlier, once you have a weapon in your hand, that's next level. Johnny drops it, thankfully, throws Crease to the ground, repeatedly hits him. I counted seven punches until Robbie pulls him off. Yeah, he was knocking him out for sure. Robbie pulls him off and is defending Crease. Of course, this leads to Robbie attacking Johnny. And it's really interesting to see someone who's well-trained in martial arts and someone who's still a newbie, although he's probably tough for a kid for sure. But you can just see that Johnny's just, you know, toying with him moving out of his way, slapping his hands down. He's just no match for him, which is a terrible situation, Sal, no doubt about it. Son attacking father. But it's interesting to see Johnny at work. But of course, this leads to what? Yeah, this was painful to watch on, on many levels is where, yeah, Johnny doesn't want to fight his own son. No. He finally gets to a point where he defends himself enough to kind of throw Robbie into a metal locker Robbie hits his head, falls to the ground unconscious, and Johnny goes, oh, shit, because he did not mean to do that. No, exactly. He just meant to push him off. So, yeah, he's there now over his son. Robbie, you okay? Robbie, you okay? And, of course, Crease pops up, uh, not unlike uh, Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees here, <laughs> popping up alive. And then he has a look at the sigh, and then he gets an idea. So now we're back to Kreese versus Captain Turner, and this fight goes on. And yes, Captain Turner is getting the best of him, for sure. He's a better fighter, and he even knocks Kreese down, and Kreese is kind of hanging on this bridge, Sal. But he sees something's kind of loose, if you will. And what happens? Well, Turner is, what's the word, deriding him? Yeah. Well, because right here is where he says... I tried to tell you that it was kill or be killed out here. 
You couldn't shed your humanity. Distracted you on a mission. Distracted you here. And now you're gonna die. So right in this instant, he is threatening his life completely in every way. Kreese realizes he, he doesn't have many options here. He grabs some sort of stick that was under this small bridge, stabs Turner in the leg, and then Kreese beats Turner continuously, knocks him over the edge, and now Turner's hanging for his life over the snake pit. As this happens, Sal, we see the U.S. planes strike the camp, and the Vietnamese are scrambling. So essentially, Sal, like, we're in the clear. We're going to be saved. So as Captain Turner's hanging there, he's saying, Chris, help me up. You know, like, hey, we're back to forget that stuff I just said. You know, we're back in uh, there's an allegiance now and there's an order and a hierarchy and you need to pull me back up and bring me to safety. But Sal, Chris doesn't see it that way at all. Yeah, five minutes earlier, it was every man for himself. (laughs) And now it's, yeah, follow my orders. I'm your superior. But now, yeah, all hell's broken loose now. You got the bombs, people scattering. The guys in cages are like, woohoo, we're going to be freed. And even Turner says, it's over, Kreese. Pull me up. That's an order. And Kreese says, you're right, Captain. I didn't follow your lessons. I won't make that mistake again. And my favorite, no mercy. There it was. He stomped on Captain Turner's hand, and we see him fall into a snake pit. We don't see anything, but we know, Sal, we know it wasn't good for one Captain Turner. Yeah, and I'd be hard-pressed to call that a murder. This is one of those military court-martial things, right? I mean, did Kreese kill Captain Turner in cold blood? It's a gray area for sure, but what I do know is it changed Kreese. Yeah. So now we're back to the Cobra Kai Dojo, and Kreese Grab said sigh, and what does he do? As Johnny is standing over Robbie, from behind comes Crease. He hits him with the sigh. Johnny kind of gets up and stumbles, and then Crease elbows him. Yeah. Now Crease is standing over Johnny and says, I thought there was still hope for you. Johnny kicks the sigh out of Crease's hands. Crease gets Johnny in a choke and says, This isn't how I wanted this to end. This is straight out of Karate Kid 2, and also kind of attempted murder here. Well, could one argue that anytime someone has someone in a chokehold, that it is attempted murder? Because what happens is you cut off circulation to the brain, and that's how people get knocked out from a chokehold, is by lack of blood flow. So, yeah, if you have a referee, you're lucky. If not, you can easily be killed by a chokehold. And he says to him, this isn't how I wanted this to end. Yeah, which leads me to believe this could go that far. Is he willing to kill Johnny right here? Do you think Kreese would kill Johnny in the middle of the dojo? Well, we just saw him kill Captain Turner. Oh my gosh. Eh, That's true. Okay. He has killed. Whether or not self-defense or not, Kreese has killed before. And I look back at Karate Kid Part 2, the beginning when he was choking Johnny. I don't think it would have gone that far. I think he was going to choke him out. Maybe he passes out, right? Because all these other students are around him and Crease just kind of went off the deep end there. Well, this is a different Crease. This is a different Johnny. These are different times. The stakes are much higher. So this is not looking good for Johnny, who showed mercy when he dropped the sigh. But then was so concerned with Robbie, let his guard down. So it's not looking good, Sal, but out of nowhere, who arrives? This was a big surprise. Yes, out of nowhere, 
Here's Daniel, and he kicks Crease off of Johnny, and Daniel yells at Crease, you sent them to my house? Yeah. So this is where I thought, did Crease genuinely give that order to literally do a home invasion? Do you think Crease did that? Daniel doesn't know exactly what happened. He's just making that assumption, connecting the dots on his own. And we both know that Daniel jumps to conclusions. See, here's the problem, though, Jason. A popular theme for modern uh, filmmaking and television making is to have us sympathize with the bad guy. Whenever we go back in time, whether with Betsy or whether in Vietnam, it gives us a little bit of sympathy. Sympathy for the devil, right? It gives us a little bit of sympathy for Crease. We, we develop sympathy for the bad guy. So I'm willing now to think, well, did Crease really order all this stuff? Or is he being unfairly crucified for the actions of his brainwashed students who went rogue? I'm not sure if he ordered it, but I would absolutely say he put it in motion. He's guilty by association, even if he didn't say, go do this. Okay, so then... Regardless of whatever villain had happened to them in the past, whether they were abused or whatever, we can't let them off the hook today right? for things that happened to them in yesteryear. Absolutely. Okay, fine. We just understand Kreese more now. And the Kreese we know now is an interesting character, but a bad person. All right. For some reason, I really like to give people some benefit, but yeah, I don't think I should. So this goes back to Karate Kid Part 3 when they got Daniel at the Cobra Kai Dojo under false pretenses and had Mike Barnes hiding there and Crease and Terry Silver and they're all kind of play fighting with him until he was saved by Mr. Miyagi. But this is the first time we've really seen Daniel versus Crease. And I could only imagine that Daniel has an advantage, but not only his age, but also the fact that isn't Kreese kind of worn out after fighting Johnny? Totally. If, if this were a tournament, he's had a fight and Daniel hasn't. Right. And let's be clear. Johnny was winning the fight. If it wasn't for Robbie, Kreese probably isn't dead, but he's at the hospital. So he's already been bested, somehow rallied as usual. But yeah, he's more worn out and Daniel is pissed. As pissed as Johnny was when he came barging in the Cobra Kai Dojo. But this leads to them getting thrown out, kind of self-thrown out the glass window, one of the plate glass windows of the Cobra Kai Dojo and landing on the sidewalk at the Reseda Flats, Sal. This is crazy. When Kreese scoops up Daniel and like football players him through the window, was that karate? Uh, am I missing something here? I don't know if that was karate. I don't know that move. But yeah, there's glass everywhere and reminiscent of Die Hard, Kreese is barefoot standing amid all this broken glass. And then he grabs a big chunk of glass and says what to Daniel? Time for you and Miyagi to reunite. This is yet another attempted murder in the last few minutes. <laughs> Kreese is trying to kill these people. So then Daniel hears Chosen. And again, this is a theme in this episode, hearing voices from someone, either a sensei or a karate cousin in this case. But Sal, what do we hear? This was so amazing to watch because Daniel is taking tutelage from Chosen. Hello, anybody that's seen Karate Kid 2, and now fast forward to present day, 
Mind blown. What? Yeah. Daniel hears Chosen's voice in his head. If an enemy insists on war, then you take away their ability to wage it. Wow. So here it is. Daniel has the scrolls of the pressure point method in which Chosen used on him. Chosen took both of Daniel's arms and legs out of commission for a short amount of time and just taught Daniel the technique. Well, Sal, he learned it very quickly, but we've always said Daniel's a quick study. And he read that scroll, and I'm assuming he probably never practiced this on anyone yet, as far as we know, but he executed it flawlessly on Crease. I have a name for these moves. Ready? The decrease. <laughs> ah! He got decreased. Comedy gold, kids. So why don't you describe exactly what happened? Well, he delivers those blows, which, by the way, I call the sacred blows, because this was like real ancient, deep stuff that even Daniel didn't know and Chosen had to tell him. This is old, old history here. He delivers those blows to disable Crease, who then has no defense. And then Daniel is about to go in for the kill. Right. And Johnny walks out right at that moment. Again, very subtle communication between these two. Johnny gives Daniel the subtle go-ahead. I know. Crazy. Go ahead. He signed off on killing Crease. Oh, my God. And Daniel's getting ready. He's winding up. And then we hear, Dad. And it's Sam running up with Miguel. Yeah. And Sal, that might be another good name for the episode. What? Killing Crease. Yeah. I mean, so much Crease. You know, I wouldn't have expected Cobra Kai to be so much Crease. But I guess it makes sense, right? Yeah. If Allie's the main love interest, then Crease is the main enemy. True. So Daniel stops, and then Robbie appears. He's recovered from the locker hit. And this leads to an exchange about the fate of Cobra Kai. Because Johnny and Daniel are there to shut Cobra Kai down. Well, Daniel says, you keep your Cobra Kai away from our kids. Crease, very smart alecky, considering all, everything that's happened. He says... It's a free country. And Johnny says, not for you. Cobra Kai has got to go for good. And then Cree says, why don't we settle this the old-fashioned way? Tournament. We lose, I go. If you lose. So Johnny says, we won't lose. And then there's that little moment where Johnny and Daniel kind of look at each other because <laughs> he heard that word, we. What do you mean, we? Where's the we? And yet, that's what Johnny was referencing. He was referencing him and Daniel and their respective dojos. Yeah. I love this, Sal. We went from near death to, hey, let's settle this at All Valley. Okay, I'm cool with that, Sal. We've dialed it back about a thousand notches, and now we're just going to settle this at a tournament. All Valley, under 18. It'll be the 51st annual Karate Championships. And of course, we saw the poster in a previous episode, but we didn't see the entire poster, Sal. We just saw the top part. And I like the way they're putting the number in the actual annual year on there now. Yeah, they didn't used to do that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I do like that. But as we scroll down, which we saw in this episode, the tournament is now Saturday, right there, as I always wanted it, but it's Saturday, May 18th, 2019, says enter now, All Valley Sports Arena. So this day that we're talking about right here and now is December 19th, 2018. That means 
They have five months to train for the All Valley. So it's not like it's tomorrow. They have plenty of time to get these dojos in shape. So I quickly want to touch on the timeline because this has always been kind of in question this season. And now having seen this poster and kind of connecting the dots, kind of reverse engineering some things, I'm quickly going to go through this. In season three, episode two, Nature vs. Nurture, that was the September 11th reference, right? Yeah, on the phone. On the phone. And you and I were talking about that. And the actual 9-11, which was the horrific and historic day in history, that was September 11th, 2001, but it was a Tuesday. Well, now that we know this past season has all been in 2018, we do yes. know that that was September 11th, 2018, which was also a Tuesday. Wow. They used that right right on the nose. You had mentioned that earlier, and I was like, I'm not sure. I think it's 2019, because all things led to believe it should have been 2019. But okay, now we know mm-hmm. where we are. So okay. cut to season three, episode three. Now you're going to pay. Yes, we were at Sid's house, and we saw the Hollywood Reporter. Now, I will say this about that. That issue was September 4th, 2019, season of Scarlet. I believe it was not meant to be seen or recognized or used for any actual date. Wow. Talk about the rabbit hole here. (laughs) So, So disregard that. It doesn't matter that it's 2019 because that would take us back out of our timeline. So cut to season three, episode five, Miyagi-Do, Sam's phone when Chris texts her from golf and stuff, and she wrote back, I'm on my way. Well, that message came in on October 20th. Now we know that was 2018, which would have been a Saturday. (laughs) No, that's fantastic. Fantastic. I should hope that there are people who are in charge of the Karate Kid Wiki listening to this podcast and adding little tidbits to their uh, notes. Yeah, true. So... Now we cut back to Vietnam and Kreese, who's just kind of drained, Sal, like mentally, physically drained, frees the other soldiers. And what does Terry say to him? I love that transition because as Kreese and Robbie go back into the dojo and then they close the dojo door, then now we're seeing Kreese open the door back in Vietnam, freeing the prisoners of war. By the way, one thing I will say for Kreese... He identifies himself as a veteran. Remember at the city council meeting yeah. when he's trying to get the tournament back? But what he doesn't identify as, and I would totally be throwing this around, former POW. True. I should also mention, let's go back in time just for a second. Before he grabs the door to open it, he does say to Robbie in front of everyone else, come on, son. Oh, oh my God. That was like a dagger right into Johnny. I mean, and Daniel. Oh, it's almost like he won that night. Like physically, he didn't <laughs> right. win, but he won. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So Crease opens up the door to the cage. Twig comes out, hugs Crease, says, I owe you, man. You saved my ass. Anything you need, I'm there for you your whole life. And right here, we are seeing the beginning of the John Crease Terry Silver relationship. Yeah. This is their bond right here. Yeah, and he goes on to say, you hear me, Johnny? Your whole life, I owe you. Wow. So he really underlines that, which those of you, and hopefully most, if not all of you, have seen The Karate Kid Part 3, that relationship comes full circle in that movie. 
So although I believe it to be the weakest of the three Karate Kid movies, not including the next Karate Kid, it's worth seeing for these connections and these relationships and things that are coming into Cobra Kai, for sure. Yeah, because otherwise you may miss things. Things may fly over over your head. What it does when you see the movies, and by the way, I'm guilty of this. I don't think that I saw two and three when you and I had already gone through season one of Cobra Kai. So believe me, I speak from experience, and I'm telling you based on my mistakes. What it does, it kind of expands your mind, and things make more sense, and you can go, aha. So I definitely encourage people to get caught up, and that way you know where we are in space and time. Now we cut back to the Cobra Kai dojo, and it's the next day, and Kreese is again reflecting on the old photo of the old gang from Vietnam, which was Ponytail and Twig and himself, Twig being Terry Silver, and he makes a call, Sal. Hang on, Jason. Can I do some karaoke here? Because the music I absolutely love. Please, of course. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. That's Phil Collins. I love that song. It is. It's a Phil Collins song, but it's performed by the Proto Men. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it actually wasn't Phil Collins singing, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. But this was a cover, if you will, a remake. Wow. I I was so wrapped up in the song itself, I didn't realize it wasn't even Phil Collins. I was listening to it going, I love this song. Wait, this isn't Phil Collins. But it's an incredible song nonetheless. Yeah. And... Crease makes his phone call, but Sal, who do you think he called? Of course, we're going to assume that he's calling Terry Silver, right? Yes. We just were in Vietnam. Terry Silver just professes his his lifelong, what is it, uh, bond, his lifelong contract yes. with Crease, right? So then when we go back in the dojo and we see him looking at the pictures with him and Twig and Ponytail, and then he gets on the phone, of course, we think he's calling Terry Silver. Absolutely. I'm totally convinced it is. But my question is this, what does he want or need Silver's help for? Is it training, equipment? Is it funding, fighters? Does he want to find Mike Barnes? Like, What can Silver do at this point in time? Because honestly, Cobra Kai Dojo is pretty stacked with Robbie and Tori and could probably do very well in the tournament as is. So what is Silver going to provide? The only thing I could think of, and this is thinking of Cobra Kai as a unit, as a team, is Kreese calls up Terry Silver and asks him to fund a trip to Tahiti for Cobra Kai. <laughs> you know, massages. with some massage, with some massages. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great recuperation, and then they could come back to the valley after that, ready to kick some more ass. But yeah, no. What is Terry going to do? I don't know. Come and and help John Kreese kick Johnny and Daniel's ass? Is that what he's going to do? Is he going to literally call Terry to come to the Valley? Yeah, maybe it's having a second sensei there because he's up against Daniel and Johnny. You know, but it's not like Terry Silver was invincible. Mr. Miyagi took care of him very easily. But all he says on the phone call is, hey, long time. That's it. That's it. Now we cut to a scene, Sal, that may be my favorite scene in the entire series. By the way, I think of you in moments like this when I'm watching the show because these are things that you have spoken of in the past. These are things that you have prophesized happening before our eyes. This is what you wanted. (laughs) Totally. It is, man. And we are at Miyagi-Do. And this scene, Sal, let me just say, 
No words spoken. No. Just the coming in the air tonight song. Yes. No geese are worn. Everybody is in street clothes. Now, Daniel does have the classic Karate Kid headband on, which has 10 points, right? Which was a gift from Pat Morita to Ralph Macchio off camera that then Daniel uses on camera. Yeah. And then Eagle Fang enters and Miguel joins Sam. Hawk joins Dimitri. Mitch joins Chris. Bert joins Nathaniel. And Johnny enters and joins Daniel. And they give each other this gentle nod. By the way, I love gentle nods. You know, back when I used to take improv training, they would teach you so much about that nonverbal communication. And by the way, in our era today, I'm a nodder. I'm like nodding. I'm nodding all the time. I love this gentle nod they give to each other. The students bow to their senseis. The senseis bow to each other. Daniel says, you ready? Johnny says, let's begin. Oh, my God. Wow. But this is my dream, to have Daniel and Johnny working together, because they do it so well. And if they got out of their own way, they could reach new heights together. I don't know if it's going to be Miyagi-Do with a twist, or what style are they going to learn? I'm not sure. In fact, if you never had anything else ever in Cobra Kai, if they just said, sorry, folks, season's canceled. The series is over. Mm -hmm. I would still find great comfort in this scene being how I saw it end. I totally agree. I thought of the same thing. I thought, you know, I'm generally an optimist, but I am one of these what if type people. What if? What if there is no season four? What if they shut the whole thing down? Would I be okay? And you know what? The answer is yes, I would. I could live with it because it's such a powerful moment. They may never reach a moment like this, even as the show continues. But that's the tribute to the show. The creators, the writers, the actors, everything. They've really got something special here. Well, because this episode ends on a unification and a reconciliation, but also on a cliffhanger when you have Crease on the telephone. So, you have it all. You have it where it could continue or you have it where it could end. And yeah, I would totally be okay. I don't want it to end, but I would be okay if it ended right here. I would have a degree of peace. Absolutely. It would probably end better if Robbie was on this side of the camp, if he was yes, in this new dojo. Yeah. And then you could really just end it and say, well, who cares what happens to Cobra Kai now? You've left that one soldier on the other side, on the dark mm-hmm. side. So yeah. that's where it's like, oh, we can't end with him that way and, and be you know, the next crease. You can't do that. But uh, anyway, uh, just magnificent. And I've watched this moment a few times, I will be honest. I've just like, wow, this is just so great. The only thing that could make it just a smidge better is if it was actually Phil Collins. (laughs) Yeah, because unfortunately, if that wasn't Phil Collins on vocals, that was probably not Phil Collins on drums. (laughs) True. Very true. But I'm very optimistic about this working That's what I want to see. I want to see it work. I'd love to see the style that they do. Will Daniel show them these moves? I'm going to have to take the Miyagi route on this and say that Miyagi didn't teach Daniel those moves for a reason. 
And I don't think that Daniel should teach his students those moves for a reason. You got to graduate. You got to be a, a, a grown up to learn those moves. True, but the stakes are higher here. You have Tori oh trying to kill people. Tori. You have Kreese trying to kill people. I could see them teaching them certain things we haven't seen. Uh, Maybe not the pressure point no. move, but it's just, no. there's so much it is war. that could happen. It's a war. It is war like Chosen talked about. Chosen was referencing these moves coming out of battle. And yeah, they are in battle. These aren't nations. These aren't tribes, so to speak. But still, there is gangs. a war being, being waged. Yeah, they are gangs. Hey, in the end, it's all gangs. My friend in high school used to say, hey, America's just a gang. You know what? Everything's a big gang, and there's gang wars at all different levels. So yeah, okay, fine. Daniel, go ahead and teach the sacred moves, what I'm calling them. Teach the sacred moves to your student body then. And then that means Johnny has to learn them too. Oh, boy. It's going to be a whole new ball game at that point. Well, I also hope that they honor this karate kid tradition in the sense that if we're training for the tournament, then no fighting until then. So I hope that's the case. And then if it all is going to be decided at All Valley, then maybe we'll have less of these or none of these home invasions or these bullying moments where people get jumped. And then, yeah, you don't need the kill moves. I just think if there's more home invasions on the horizon or moments where people are, you know, like Kreese is trying to kill Daniel and Johnny, then who knows? Who knows? But what an incredible ending to a season that set a whole new bar, bringing back, what do we have? Kamiko, Chosen, Ali. You have... Daniel and Johnny joining forces. You have Johnny falling in love with Carmen. You have his bond with Miguel stronger than ever. Future stepfather, if you will. Wow. Yeah. And then you have all the background on Crease, all those flashbacks to Vietnam, all the stuff that went down there. You learn more about who he became or why he became the person that he is. Yeah, they definitely kept moving it all up as we went from one season to the next, which only makes you think, well, if they do come back for a season four, which hopefully is happening, yes, where do they go from here? How do they top this? The only thing that they can do, I think if you're a fan and you ask yourself, what can they do? The only thing that they could do, I think, would be bring back Terry Silver, bring back Mike Barnes. That would create a whole tie-up and then when season four could end with that tied up, and then there's a pretty bow on it, and then season four could be the last one if you wanted to go that route. And then maybe you have Julie Pierce come back, played by Hilary Swank, of course. Hello. Yes. So, okay, well, that's season five then. There you go. There you go. And uh, most shows go, five. successful shows go five seasons. So there you go. That could be the bow on it. You know what? They probably have this all planned out, I bet you. <laughs> And also on this season, I want to mention, we brought back Anoush. We brought back Louie. Yes. We saved LaRusso Otto through Luna, courtesy mm -hmm. of Karate Kid Part 2. Daniel saves this girl. So they really, really outdid themselves this season. Just sure. magnificently. You have a Daniel and Amanda doing better than ever. Anthony's the one thing that got a little bit lost in the shuffle. Let's hope that we have more of Griffin Santipietro, who plays young Anthony LaRusso in season four. And yeah, they really did. They took things to the next level. Also, I wouldn't mind seeing more of Mrs. LaRusso, if you will, played by Randy Heller. Oh, yes. Oh, always a treat to, to see her, for sure. 
So maybe that's in store as well. But I think it's a show where, yeah, you can't do everything. You move people up. Like we had Kyler in season one, gone in season two, back in season three, and had a much bigger role. Maybe Aisha makes a comeback. You know? Oh, nice. You never know. Hey, and how about more makeout scenes with Yasmin and Dimitri? (laughs) How about that? Well, I know you're going to be holding your breath for that, so. I always look upon these actors with such envy in their makeout scenes because you're like, you make out, they're like, okay, cut. All right, we need to try it from this angle. Okay, make out again. All right, cut. Okay, now we need to switch cameras. And you're like, it's just make out, make out, make out, make out. So, ah, the joys of acting. So, yeah, so much to look forward to. A lot of speculation. And now Sal and I can uh, recover from this incredible episode, incredible journey, and then get back to our special episodes, which will be such a treat to come up with different ideas and a lot of interviews lining up and a lot of stuff to keep us busy as we move closer and closer to season four, whenever that might be. Yeah, you know, my goal is to keep Jason busy. Now, I just want to say this publicly (laughs) to all of our listeners. I'm very happy and proud to be the co-host of Let's Talk Cobra Kai, but I just want to say for the record, we're here because of Jason Connell. I'm here because of Jason Connell. Most of the show falls on Jason Connell's back. I come in here and lend my talents <laughs> eh? and my singing. <laughs> Jason Connell, thank you for uh, having me along for the ride. It's been an absolute pleasure. And just to add, it's uh, created a resurgence in my YouTube channel. Yes. I've had lots of Cobra Kai Karate Kid content, reviewing action figures by NECA, recent review by Icon Heroes, fantastic Daniel and Johnny action figures made by Icon Heroes, reviewed by Salvador Los Angeles. Check it out on YouTube. So if you love Cobra Kai, you love Karate Kid, there's so much to listen to and watch. Nice. Absolutely. And thank you for your kind words, Sal. I really appreciate it. You were the right person to go on this journey with me, and it's just been such a treat. Thank you. So thank you so much for listening, and please be sure to subscribe to Let's Talk Cobra Kai wherever you get your podcast. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, send us a direct message, or post a link on our social media, which is at Let's Talk Cobra Kai. We also highly recommend checking out the Let's Talk Movies podcast and visiting JustCuriousMedia.com. No mercy.